Guys, welcome to the Type 1 Lifting Podcast. I'm with a guest, uh, his, actually my neighbor, uh, it's Leon O'Neill. How's it going? Good, thank you for having me today. Uh, no problem. Uh, I really do appreciate you know you coming by. Uh, and you actually have like a really, really good, interesting story. So uh, just tell my listeners what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm originally from uh, Manchester, England. Uh, so when I was a baby, um, I well, when I was like one, one year old, I, I started uh, passing out a lot and having seizures. Uh, so they did a lot of tests on me and they found out I was hypoglycemic, uh, which is obviously when you have lows. Uh, so basically, I'd, like I said, I'd always pass out and they couldn't stabilize my sugar. So for years and years and years, I kind of live with it, but I'd have seizures all the time. And obviously we're talking in the early 80s right now. So this was a very, very rare, uh, I guess, medical condition. So they eventually they got a uh, doctor from America uh, who was actually born in Africa to come over and do a surgery on me. And they, they worked it out that they, they took 95% of my pancreas out uh, to kind of stabilize it because I was producing that much insulin. So they needed to uh, take 95% of it out to make me regulate. So they took that out when I was, I think they took it out, I was two, two and a half years old. Uh, I always knew at one point that I wouldn't produce enough insulin uh, with only having 5% left. So I just lived life, they told me just to live life and continue living just a normal life. Obviously I always had the, uh, back in the day I always remember as a baby having, it, it was huge, not like the little blood glucose machines now, they were, they were I remember it being real huge. Uh, so I always checked my glucose, I checked it every, every day, a few times a day, even as a baby, just got used to it, something I've always lived with. Um, and then I just continued to live life, I've always been active, a uh, big soccer player or football in the UK. I actually played professional soccer until I was 19. Uh, played professional from I was 16 to 19 in England before coming to America on a soccer scholarship. Glucose was fine still. I just tested all the time. The 5% pa- in, uh, pancreas was keeping me going, keeping me stable uh, right through my 20s. And, and then when I got to 30 years old, uh, just started to lose a lot of weight, weren't feeling great. Obviously, I'd been out of college at that time for probably six six years or so. Uh, obviously, working, married, had a kid, so just just wasn't feeling well. Then I started seeing a uh, endocrinologist. He was actually here in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, we did some blood tests, and basically, it was I had a really high A one C of like nine point four, and I'd always been in the fives. Um, even in my mid twenties, I remember going home uh, when I was I think 21 and after college season I think it was like 4.3 so it was like wow you're that's impressive keep keep going you everything's fine and it just seemed to hit a wall when I got to 30 so uh, they started me on uh, long acting insulin as well as uh, fast acting and here I am today so a bit of uh, like I said, I, I guess I don't have the, the enzyme that attacks the pancreas. Uh, it was more of a surgery-induced diabetes, but something I've always lived with since I was, since I was born. So. so with all the modern medicine that's coming out now, yeah. do you think that if you were born like 
around this time, do you think they would probably do the same exact thing with like the removal of 90, 95% of the pancreas? Or do you think it would be a different scenario? Yeah, I think reading back it, and it was funny because when I, when I first moved to the States, uh, when I emigrated out here, I asked for all my medical records to be sent over, obviously, so an endocrinologist here could look into my background. And I kind of read the notes. Um, and to be fair, the doctors in the UK were trying to hold off as long as they could. They were, I read it, they were saying to my mother, like, he'll grow out of this, let's just leave it, let's leave it. And that went on for like two years, uh, but my mum would just like, couldn't control, like she was getting really worried, like, because I kept having seizures still, and forcing, she was forcing sugar down me with milk, and she's like, we've got to act right now. So I'd like to think maybe they'd have had more, especially now with the Dexcom, mm-hmm. I would have been, they might have had something like that on me as a baby, and, and kind of, I would have had the warnings that I were dropping real low, and I could have managed it with sugar and glucose knowing I were getting that low before I had the seizures which mm-hmm. might have uh, kept me stable and they might not have had to take it out but that'd be the only thing I could probably think of that yeah. might have stopped him from taking it out. How many seizures would you usually get? Uh, looking at the rec- looking at my records it was uh, it, it was at least a couple of months for sure and I forget there was, there was a medicine uh, it, it's in the record it was some some medicine they'd give me, uh, which when I pass out, my mum would obviously put sugar and stuff. But there was also some something else you'd put on my tongue and it bring me bring me back round. Uh, but again, who knows what would have been if it would have been in in this time. Mm-hmm. So, so you so you see if you played professional. Actually, I didn't even know about this. You yeah. played professional soccer for like three or four years. Yeah. So how was that? How, how was that? Uh, and and like I said, I would never. Um, so. I went in England, you finished school at 16, so I'd always played for, I used to play for the Blackburn Rovers, which was at the time a Premier League academy, mm-hmm. uh, I played right through there till I was 16, and then I signed for a professional academy, you leave school, uh, and you sign an academy, they're called the uh, Youth Training Schemes, so I, I signed three years, 16 till I was 19, uh, I also represented Great Britain U19 colleges. So at the time, I didn't really, I'd never had any issues with it. Uh, once he took the pancreas out, my A1Cs were, were, were fine, I was healthy. I'd never had lows after soccer or anything, it was it was weird. I just, it was just maintained and, and I'd check it now and again. But the older I got, like I'd get in, I'd be like 14, 15, 16 and i just become more confident that I was just living without it, mm-hmm. if, you, if that makes sense, I would just, I was just like, I'd, I'd never felt like I had diabetes. I'd check it now and again if I weren't feeling great. And obviously, every six months, the doctor, I'd get my all my blood work done. But apart from that, I just lived normal. And then just as, as you know, the older you get, you, you start you start playing on your mind, especially when I had the bad A1C and I, I had protein in the urine. And so now it's... it's and, the Dexcom has its positives, but it it's probably has taken over my life more than it than it did when I was in my teens and in my early twenties for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, so. I've I've always had a hard time with with uh, continuous glucometers. I had the I had the freestyle Libre. Yeah, I had yeah. it for three days. Yeah, didn't work out. Uh, actually, I nicked it on the uh, one of my the hospital armrests of like you know like the like you know like yeah. the office chairs. So I leaned down to tie my shoe and I came back up and nicked it. And the crazy thing was, 
I would have like 120 point differences from uh, yeah. from my finger prick to the reality of it. Yeah, and I was. It looked like a roller coaster. It would be like you know super high, and then just like it would just go straight bottom right out, and then like it'd be the same thing over and over again. Because really? what I would do is I would check it. Yeah. And ten minutes later check it again it'd still be high take more insulin yeah and like not wait for the other insulin to kick in and so and it just it'll hit it once. yeah and so it just got me like way too stressed out and yeah. like my my wife wants me to get on the get on the dexacom that's calm yeah, yeah and the pump but it's just i don't know we'll, we'll see what happens yeah the dexcom I, and that was when they tried to put me on it uh when the, when they first diagnosed me uh well when they officially started me on insulin i think i was i was 30 years old and um, I went in and saw the nurse uh, the, the nurse practitioner for diabetes and they I, f- I forget what they did at the time but they put some something on me that could what was looking at my, it, the the Dexcom wasn't out at the time but it was something similar to it and they recommended it uh, and I didn't want to do it I'm, I'm very stubborn like I didn't want to even start insulin I'm like I was kind of in denial mm-hmm. I'm like I can do this I, I don't need insulin and and I had the same mindset with the Dexcom or yeah even the Dexcom because I just didn't want to be looking at it all the time and kind of I guess thinking about it but now I've got it I don't think I could live live without it but it definitely has its ups and downs where I see the pattern of me dropping where before I wouldn't have known and I'd just left it and then I'd have just stabled out around 100, 120 and I'd have been fine but now I see the pattern and I'm dropping and I'm like, I kind of get anxious and probably put unnecessary sugar in me mm-hmm. when I don't need it. And mm-hmm. then I have another spike and I'm like, damn, now I've got to inject again. So that's the only the only negative I have. I, I kind of look at it probably too much and I'm watching the patterns all the time and I probably don't need to be mm-hmm. that concerned about it. Because yeah. I've, I've only had really one real bad law. And it alerted me, and I was I just took some sugar and was fine. Now, when does it usually hit? Like for like the highs and lows, like do you, do you do you set it yourself for the numbers at all? Or? I do. I I uh, just because of the amount of exercise. Like uh, when I work out, I'm normally doing ten k, or I'm doing ninety minutes on the elliptical, or so I I don't like if if I'm under two hundred. When I do my workout, I normally get like 45 minutes in and I'm 80 mm-hmm. and, and I have to stop and and my endocrinologist would always say, well, just have a banana with you and orange juice and it's just not convenient for me. So I kind of set it a little bit higher. So I normally work out around 280, but by the time I'm finishing, I'm finishing at like 110, 120. Uh, so I do have my, high, my alert high, pretty high to be honest, 280, the doctor will probably say it's too high. And then it alerts me when I'm low, like eighty. Mm-hmm. But I always feel it. I feel sweaty. I always, I always feel it. Yeah. So, it's not like I've never. I've always known I look. I feel. I don't feel. I feel clammy. I don't feel good. I look, and I'll, I'll be like eighty-five, and I'll know. So it's good that way. So is it mainly just your hands feeling sweaty, or like just like your legs, or? Yeah, it's just main like the clammy hands is my biggest sign. And honestly, I've never, I've never had a low when I've not known. It's I don't know what it is, and maybe probably because I'm so conscious about it. Mm-hmm. But I've never like been upset uh, once I was sleeping and it woke me up. But apart from that, in the day, if I, I'll I'll feel clammy and I'll look and it'll say I'm dropping and I'm like eighty five, eighty six. So I I, I kind of know. Yeah. Well, since I'm like still 
relatively new to the diabetes, like to getting diabetes like four years in. So the way I feel always feels like I have like a couple drinks in me. And then, like, my legs get really... Oh, really? Like, my, like, my legs start feeling weird, and I start getting sweaty. But... And that's if I'm standing around, like, like walking around. But yeah. if, I'm, if I'm sitting down doing absolutely nothing... You don't know? Nope. Nope. Uh, like, sometimes not much. Yeah. But it's it's very rare. Like, like I would be walking... Like, I was in my office this week, and all of a sudden, like, I just got up, and I'm like... Mm, okay. So I checked it. It was, like, in the 60s. Oh, And so... Yeah. And, like, the lowest I've ever been... Is eighteen, and so and I've never passed out. I mean, knock on wood. I mean, yeah. I mean that's not even wood, but yeah, <laughs> but like yeah, and like I the reason why I was it was on Christmas Eve and I was wrapping presents and I was at my uh, in laws house in laws house not yeah. I mean, uh, my brother in laws house. He had cake and I just dosed it way too much. Yeah, and just I didn't realize it and started. Yeah, dropping. just started dropping. I got up and I almost fell over. And I'm like, oh. okay. And so I checked. It was like 18. And I just immediately went to like the Santa's cookies and just went to yeah. town on those things. So do you have do you have like an emergency shot? Oh, really? No, I just eat. Yeah, pretty much. So so my doctor just well the one in Nook because obviously we just moved back from New Orleans and I I expressed some concerns uh, about because I. Uh, Backstory, I guess I was on Levemir for since what for nearly six years. I was been on Levemir, uh, and I took fifty units a day. Didn't split it up. I just I took it uh, around dinner time, uh, and it controlled me really well. Except when it once it got into the like, so I took it around five six p.m. every day. But when I get get to around one p.m. in the afternoon, and I'd spike high because it because it wore off. So um, I had my last endocrinologist meeting, they kind of looked at my Dexcom and said, you're having all these spikes in the afternoon, that's the Levemir wearing off, it's only 18 hours. Uh, and I said, well, I don't want to take it at night because w- when I take it before bed, like I didn't, I, I just don't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, because the Levemir kind of spikes in the first like eight, nine hours. So I'm like, I don't want that happening when I'm in bed. But so I feel comfortable taking it dinner time. So they, they they looked at my charts on the Dexcom and they said, you're having a lot of spikes in the afternoon, but my A1C was still good. Like my cholesterol were good. My kidneys were good, liver. The A1C was, I think the last time, five, seven. But she said, would you would you try uh, Tresiba? It doesn't spike. It stays in you for, I think, 30 hours. Yeah. But it doesn't overlay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I said, yeah, I'll give it a try. How many units? And she said, same as what you're doing with Levemir. So I, I started 50 units of it. And uh, within the first week, like, I was literally going from... I'd I, I take it at the same... T- Actually, I took it in the morning. I've switched times. I wanted to take this at the morning. Uh, so I, I switched it. So I started taking it in the morning because it lasts it last longer. And then I'd get to, like, mid-afternoon around 1 o'clock. And I'd just plummet. I'd go from like two hundred to eighty without any fast acting. I'm like this. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm like this is too much, too much insulin. And then in the nights I was having serious crashes. And mm-hmm. I'm like, but I, I just kept with it. And then on Thanksgiving, uh, I think I was like two hundred. I'd had like a big dinner. I was like two hundred. I had potatoes and stuff. And then uh, I had a big piece of cake like yourself. And I thought so. I had some, and I said. I'm gonna so I calculated like I always did, and I put eight fast units in me, 
and I looked at my uh, Dexcom and, I, and normally when I have cake or anything, a bunch of potatoes, I normally yeah, spike real yeah. high. And I said to my wife, I'm like, I'm staying flat right now and I've just put eight units in me. I'm, I'm concerned. And she said, well, just keep an eye on it. And then straight away in my Dexcom, within literally 20 minutes, I went from like 250 to 110. I plummeted. So we started like getting ready to go to the hospital. I'm getting in my car. Because uh, these really, the eight units hadn't even kicked in yet. Yeah. So we, we pounded a bunch of sugar and... I think I got down to 60 and I was still dropping, but then I, I flattened out. Uh, but ever since then, I've been with this. I actually dropped my units to 20 units and I'm, I'm slowly making my way back up to seeing what the right dosage mm -hmm. is. But switching to Tocibrim just hasn't been a good experience and a fun experience so far because I was so comfortable. Yeah. That, and I, to be honest, it's like I said to my wife today, there was no need to make that recommendation to switch. Mm -hmm. I was regulated, I was comfortable, everything apart from a few afternoon spikes, but now I'm, I'm, I'm having drops and highs and lows, I'm all over the place, so I might think about going back. But So do you think it could be because your doctor wants to prescribe this new medication so she can get well he or she could get paid a little bit more or you know yeah like, i don't know like, is that how we were I'm i i I, I don't I, I don't know because like yeah. a lot of a lot of a lot of the docs like they always try new things or something like that like another medica medication medications just uh see how it works yeah so you're kind of like almost like the guinea pig a little bit so yeah i don't she to be honest she did she did push it on me a few times and i, I said i'd i'd give it a try and and to be honest, I probably, I probably, I probably transitioned at the wrong time. I'd I'd obviously taken a new role. Mm -hmm. uh, I was in the middle of a move to Atlanta, so I was I was living in hotels. My family was still in New Orleans. Uh, obviously, I went back for Thanksgiving, and that's when I had that big drop. But I probably should have got the family up here, moved in the house, started the new role, and then transitioned to the new insulin so I could be more focused on yeah. it. Because uh, as you know, staying in hotels, you're not on your regular schedule, you're not eating like you normally do, working like you normally do, mm -hmm. or working out like you normally do. So it, it might have had a uh, a different effect on me. But it's funny because I'm back up to, it's crazy to be honest, I'm back up to 40 units now on Tocibo. And I, like I said, I'm, I, I, once I had that massive drop, I dropped myself to 20 and I've been increasing two units like every few days to get to the levels I want and making sure I'm not having any drops after soccer or exercise. But I'm up to 40 units now. I've got a feeling I'm going to end up at 50. <laughs> but it's funny though, yeah. but I'm not having... I don't know what it was. Like that first three weeks when I started on that new insulin, it were having massive drops during the night and days on me. And I just... Who knows if I might... Once I get to 50, I, I, the body's a... I guess the body's a, uh, a strange thing and it does what it wants, but it, it definitely didn't have a good impact on me that first transition. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how this goes. Well, it's good. I mean, I, I'm always trying, down for trying like new medications. Yeah. They actually, uh, with my insurance was so high, they actually tried to get me on this new medication that came out. And they, they said if you contact the, uh, I forget what the medication is called, but... Uh, is it FISAP? No, it's it's something else. It just yeah. it literally just came out, and so they said if you if you talk to the to the company, they'll give you a coupon for like 
10 pens for 100 bucks. Oh, really? Yeah, and I was like, oh, I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. And thank goodness my wife get, gets this like high cost medication yeah, yeah. that we don't really have to pay for. We get it for free, but it goes to our deductible. And so we've already met our deductible already, which is yeah. huge. Yeah, so, especially in February. Yeah, and, and the crazy thing is uh, originally they were the insulin I was going to take, it was they said it was going to be like fourteen hundred dollars yeah for just like two boxes and i'm like i can't afford that yeah and so now it's down to 75 dollars and have you started the new insulin uh not well not yet i haven't gotten it yet okay. so i'm just waiting for the pen that you gave me ah so. yeah yeah the humalog <laughs> yeah so the other one's gonna be what like a long acting it's, it's novolog so it's it's just almost almost like humalog a little bit yeah so the fast acting yeah. stuff ah okay yeah the, the um i know there's there's always some kind of new, which is good for diabetes. There's always some new technology, new insulin. I remember when I was, uh, when I was a baby, like I talked about the big machines. I think when I, when they first took my pancreas out, they might have. I remember like the they were mixing stuff in syringes and and all that kind of stuff. But there's always some new technology or, uh, and somewhere. I, I know they've. Uh, I've, I've I've seen some research about like they they can like maybe do like put something in under your skin now what acts like a pancreas I think the testing yeah that for juvenile diabetes so that'd be obviously amazing for juvenile diabetes or even ourselves if it if it does come to uh, out into the market mm -hmm. so awesome all right so I kind of want to get into the because I didn't know about the professional yeah, soccer thing yeah so what was training like throughout the whole like process and do you kind of still do the same amount of training just like when you were playing like back in like your teenage years well no yeah I think the uh back back when uh so I'd obviously played soccer my entire life and I got picked up by a, a club I, I was 12 years old and but it wasn't, I think the Americans, if I'm honest, train more soccer and I think they burn them out a lot quicker than they do in, in Europe. But at that age, I was training just twice a week, a game on the weekend. And then once you got to 60 games, it were all monitored. Once you got to 60 games within a year, they shut you down. Mm -hmm. So it was all monitored. And then obviously when we got to 16 and we signed like full time, it was every day. It was like being here, I guess, on because obviously I came here on a scholarship when yeah. I was, I think I was twenty years old when I came on a scholarship. But it was kind of the same training every day, and then we'd go college once a week. Uh, but my body, like I said, it, I didn't have no reaction to it. But train every day. Uh, we used to train at ten a.m., and I always felt that we're good. We trained ten till noon, and it was always good for my body because I get the breakfast. And then it'd be noon, and I felt like that exercise in the morning kept me stable all day. Yeah. Uh, Whereas sometimes, obviously, I, like now I work out at night, but it's kind of you, you kind of can be high during the most of the day, mm -hmm. and so. But it was my body work. It worked out great for me. We'd work out every day, ten till twelve. Grab lunch, go to college now again, or, or go home. So do you do any weight training at all or was this mainly just like not during cardio? season yeah. not during season we did in in pre-season off season uh, but one thing about over there which was good the season went from like August through till May we're here uh, when you're in college you, the college, soccer season's just in the fall yeah you know like a full year to wait again mm -hmm. so there's a lot of lifting in college in the United States uh 
compared to in in Europe. So, but back home, I didn't didn't we lifted like in the off season and stuff, but not like they do over here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they've they've actually incorporated a lot of like lifting, even during season for some of these soccer players. To really? Get stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I was actually training, uh, one girl. She was going to Mercer, and she was. I had we had our whole workout program, yeah, and we just pretty much did the workout in the off season, and then she actually mailed me the the in season. There was I think I believe the worst like, like there was some like back squatting workouts uh, and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, they they've actually done a study where they had uh, marathon runners. It, one per like one group, one test group actually just did the typical running nothing else and, and the other group did a little bit of like romanian deadlifts deadlifts and back yeah. squatting and the the study i, I forget what this when the study was but they said that the people that actually lifted the weights actually ran faster and longer ah compared during to the soccer season yeah or during uh, like the marathon yeah, yeah yeah i think even uh cause what year was so when i signed with the academy i think it was like 1999 and even then, in in England, the the Premier League, the top elite clubs, sports science were just kicking in, and and that only really kicked in because we started bringing a lot of international players into the league, and now it's it's saturated. But I think uh, like the Italians brought like a lot of their nutrition, the sports science guys. Uh, so we the sports science even then it were it it were nothing like it it were mm-hmm. would be like today. Yeah. Uh, I remember like doing, like the the body fat test for uh, preseason. It'd be one where they used to pinch you and yep. stuff. Yeah, the capers. Yeah. Were, yeah. So now it's all what the bob pods and stuff. You sit in the machines and they measure the air density or whatever it is. So, sports science has obviously come come a long way. I, it'd be interesting to see how they. I I know there's a few players in the MLS with a Dexcom. And I'd be interested to see how that works while you're actually playing at that level. Yeah. Like, I wear it now, but I'm playing in, like, the over-30 leagues. It's not really physical. Mm-hmm. But I'd be interested to see, like, with the actual people grabbing you and pulling, like, how stable that is. Yeah, they probably use, like, a boatload of tape just to cover yeah, it up, which is crazy. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see yeah. how, that, how that works. I, I, knew, I know there is... I, I don't know if he still plays for the Seattle Sounders, but he's, like, a, uh, a forward. He was a... Type one diabetic, and he has actually has the tattoo on his forearm, yeah, with like the medical symbol that says type one diabetic ah, on it. So if people actually know, yeah. yeah, if he passed out, what, yeah, what's going on with him? And there's actually a, an NFL player. He's a tight end. He plays for the Baltimore Ravens. He's a type one diabetic too. Oh really? Yeah, and it was crazy because they would actually test his blood sugar every after every quarter. Every quarter they yeah. test it, huh? Yeah, when I was playing, I'd know it. When I, like I say, I always kind of kept an eye on it. And even when I was over here in the States on a soccer scholarship, I I did test it. Like, I tested it at, like at the beginning of the game, at the end of the game. And that, that would be that'd be as much as I'd really be conscious about it. I wouldn't be like every every 10 minutes coming off with my coach. Yeah, test. yeah. I'd, I would never. But we did have a really, really bad uh, type 1 diabetic. He was a goalkeeper in the college, uh, in the college team, and I always, I always felt like, it, I always felt like I was blessed. Versus, like he had pumps in him. He was always having laws and putting a bunch of sugar in him all the time. And I'm, at the time, I remember thinking, wow, I'm, I don't have it as bad as a, I think, uh, but. That, I guess that it is what it is. So, 
Yeah, I've seen some really bad diabetics. Yeah. In my career in the medical field, like yeah. real bad, and it's it's scary. These kids, yeah, like I I worked in an ER for child uh, children's like emergency department. Yeah. I see these kids just not taking their insulin because they just were like they think they're Superman. Yeah. And they just. Or they just down a Mountain Dew, like a whole bottle of Mountain Dew, and I'm like, I know you're doing it to lose weight. Yeah. Like, cut the crap. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not really worth it. But it's it's insane. Like yeah. these kids, like they just don't care. Yeah, I couldn't imagine uh, growing up in in the United States through your teens being a type one diabetic. It must be tough with like all the like junk food available mm-hmm. and pizza and like I always ate pretty healthy back in the UK and obviously being heavily involved in sports but I couldn't imagine just being not really active in school here in a type 1 it must be tough with yeah. the diet that the kids have today now is the is the, is the American diet kind of like going over to England a little bit you think or uh, I, I just I just find like any, anybody who comes over to this United States from family or friends and like I, or even people I know in the UK when they come over and 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 I'll see it. Like I, I have some people from my town now. They're in Florida, and I looked at the Facebook. Uh, they're down in uh, Disneyland now, and I looked at the Facebook two days ago, and they were posting pictures of the portions, and they're like, "Look at size of this. This is like four meals." Mm-hmm. And I just laughed. I made a comment and laughed. But that's I think that's the biggest thing. I think it's the the portion sizes here. It's it's a lot of food so yeah. I can imagine growing up with type 1 diabetes as a as a teen it'd be, be pretty tough to, to manage over here for sure yeah now when you play soccer now so are you still trying to hit like the 280 mark still or what's the what's the good range for you to when you start before I play in a game yeah I don't uh, it's funny because the other day I was I started at 200 and I was a little bit uh I was a little bit concerned, but I I was I was fine. The when I first started taking that to see about at the time as well, I was only I think I got up to like twenty five units, and I was like two sixty at start. And uh, again, it pro- probably let it take over my mind a little bit too much. I warmed up and stretched, and had a little jog before the game, and I, and I saw the pattern. I had the bottom arrow, and I'd gone down to two twenty. I'm like, man, if I'm already like that, what am I going to be like when the game starts? Uh, but I was fine. But the other day I started at 200, and I, I think when I finished I was 230, I mean 130. Mm-hmm. So I was fine. There was, yeah. no, there was no real effect. So that, that, That's really interesting because a lot of people that I've talked to is when they actually start like doing running and like, like you know, or like high interval training yeah. and stuff, like they like, they tend to spike up. Yeah. Ex- ex- including me. Like yeah. sometimes I've... I would get done working out and be like, okay, it's like 280, 300. Yeah. And I'm like, I understand the hormones yeah. are like the fight or flight mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, but yeah, it's interesting that how you can be at 280 then go down to yeah. like a normal level yeah. just by working well, out. I think again, it comes down to the, the exercise. Like if I'm, if I'm playing soccer, like, like I do, I still do like to start pretty high, but I, I don't really plummet. I, I do. I probably spike. Like sometimes, like I'll I'll come off the field. I'll be three hundred, but then I'll drop. Uh, but if I'm swimming, or like just elliptical or pretty steady heart rate and pace, mm-hmm. I'll I'll slowly come down, and I won't have a, uh, I guess a, a plummet after. When I when I finish, that's where I'm at. Where soccer or running like a five k or ten k, 
afterwards I, I can drop pretty intense so I guess it depends on which exercise I'm doing yeah so yeah well that's awesome well I I, I really do appreciate you coming yeah, actually no next door two yeah, houses yeah, over just no, to get it's here always always good to to talk to people and again it's just uh think a lot of people who fight in the diabetes anything you can share or especially new technology new medicines is is always good to to talk to somebody so yeah now I, I i forgot to add in the beginning the way i found out he was actually a diabetic was i was wearing one of my diabetic uh diabetic things t-shirts <laughs> and he came up to me he's like oh i like the shirt and i was like oh thank you and he's then he asked me are, are you a diabetic and i said yes i am yeah and then he just let me know that that he was as well and so and then i told him uh i think last week i told him about like you know like my insurance problem I and mean, he was you know i very grateful they actually had an extra pen of humalog available so he just gave it to me which i really even Sarah really do, does appreciate, you no, know. No worries. No do you worries. do that? And so. I'll, uh, being from the UK, where medicine's free, and I know the effect here in the United States that a disease like diabetes can can be costly, so well, cost a lot of money. But even there, I like I said, talking about it and passionate. Like I, it was funny because I think it was like three weeks ago. I jumped in an Uber and uh, I I don't know. I got talking to the lady and. I, uh, she she reading like Chick Fil A chicken and I I think it was real it was real early and I might have said wow that's early for chicken or something and she said well I'm I'm I've just been diagnosed with diabetes so I'm trying to just eat protein and and not everyone's as educated or as lucky as we are just coming through athletes and sports and 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 wellness and. I just got talking to her and, and just found myself in this real deep educational conversation with her and I'm, and she, then she started telling me her levels like three and four hundred but that's normal and, and I just I'm like listen trust me that's not normal you've got to be like your body's gonna like having some effects on your kidneys and I just found myself really passionate educating her and talking about the chicken even though it's protein from Chick-fil-A there's probably still 20-30 gram of carb in that well, and, and sugar and sugar yeah. and so and it, someone else was with me and and and, uh, and they're like man you know everything about diabetes and that's when I said well I'm I'm a type 1 diabetic and I just found myself at the time thinking wow if, if I could go back to school or something maybe I would have been like a uh tried to be a, like a, a nurse practitioner for diabetes because I'm really, really unpassionate about it. And I definitely like to, because uh, I was there. I remember when they told me, like my wife was there when I was 30 and I'm not ashamed to say it. She said, uh, if you don't start insulin now, your kidneys are going to shut down. Like you've got a lot of protein. And I, I started crying and my wife was there and I was just in denial. I'm like, I'm fine. I can do it. I, I know I, I've never had to take insulin and, I tried to, they put me on some fast acting for a little bit, just said, just take this every time you, but they knew eventually I, I, I was gonna like crack and I did, mm -hmm. I'm like, I can't manage it, it's it's too high still. And so somebody like that in the Ubu just been diagnosed recently and, and she's still in that di denial pro, uh, process where she thinks 300's normal and it's it's just because she's stressed and, and I'm like, it's not, yeah. you need to start, she's like, I'm not starting insulin. I'll be on it for life, and I'm like, you gotta do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, you have no choice. She's like, I don't. This is this is only this side because I'm stressed, and I'm, I'm like, 
you ain't 300 because you're stressed. Yeah, yeah. So it works. I try to educate her and stuff, and, and it's funny because my wife's in, in medical field. She's a physical therapist, and she'll say, like, Leon, not everyone's like you who manages it, who's concerned about it, watch it. We, we see this, like, I know you'd like to go into this field, and but I think you get frustrated because a lot of people don't care. You know what I mean? And yeah. Until it's like the very last yeah. minute, like something happens, like a toe falls off or... Yeah. Well, it's you know. too late. Yeah. It's too late. But I always... It's, I, again, I, it's probably because I'm always looking at the desk on my phone, but I, <laughs> I could probably look now and tell you, like just feeling now, pro, I bet I'm around 170... I'm 181. Yeah. I said, what, 170? Yeah. But, so, I, I just... I always know where I am and... I feel it so and again it's probably taken over my life a little bit but I appreciate you having me and talking today and if we can make a difference to any type 1 diabetes out there just sharing things hopefully hopefully we can now do you do you have like any social media or anything like that that like is say if like someone listens to this they can reach out to you like Instagram or like Facebook or anything like that yeah I'm on uh, I'm on Instagram uh, the name's Leon and then number zero zero seven six two. Uh, so I'm on I'm on Instagram. I don't have any like specific like I guess diabetes pages or, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. I mean, but, you, but you don't you don't need to. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people that just you know just want to do pictures of their life. They don't really care. They like that people don't know they have diabetes. Yeah. So, I mean, I just have because of my t-shirt company yeah and i you know i want to you know just make sure people know that like you know there's other diabetics out there and yeah. you know that you know these guys are like 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 the little ninjas like the secret you know yeah. the, the quiet guys you know <laughs> but they're like trucking along and if they hear your experience i mean yeah. it can motivate them to get better no much, absolutely so. absolutely because i think a lot of people especially when the first diagnose are a bit anxious about working out what is it going to do for me body and am I going to drop am I going to have lows and again I said it with a guy who played soccer with me there's always somebody who has it a little bit worse and and it, at the end of the day there's a lot worse things to have out there than diabetes and mm-hmm. medicine's getting better technology's getting better and it, it, it really is just something you can live with now and be positive and, and something you can definitely uh guess not fight but definitely uh i guess stable make stabilize it and and live with it so awesome all right we'll leave it there and yep. guys you can always reach me at type one lifting at instagram twitter uh and also facebook so thank you guys for listening have a good one